This is Chuck Huber. You may know me as the voice of Android 17 or Kurogiri from My Hero Academia or Emperor Pilaf or I don't know. I've done about 250 roles. And you are listening to the VoiceOver Champions podcast. Change into VoiceOver Champions to save the VoiceOver world. Hey there, everybody. This is VoiceOver Champions, a show for voice actors and fans of voice actors. And I am your host, Joshua Seth, the once and future voice actor known as me. And if it sounds like uh, I got a lot of energy and vitality, vigor, and verve, uh, that's because I just came back from vacation. And, you know, tastes change. <laughs> Things that we like to do change. Uh, over time, I, I just think it's funny that like, here's where I went. I went to the Pocono Mountains. This is like something my grandparents would have done. I went hiking in the Pocono Mountains for a week. I hiked on the Appalachian Trail, which was way beyond my skill level. And luckily I, I did not get hurt, uh, but I certainly could have. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty intense. We hiked to the tops of waterfalls and down caves and it was it was pretty awesome but i would have had zero interest in doing something like that in my 20s and 30s and now that i'm a bit older and i spend most of my time looking at a screen you know everything's just sitting and looking at a screen most of our days are just looking at screens young people uh it wasn't always like this like when i was a kid it absolutely was not like that it was like at the beginning of Stranger Things, you know, before the kid gets abducted, when they're just like playing board games and going to each other's houses and riding bikes and hiking in the woods and stuff. Like that's what that's what we used to do. And now it's just living in front of screens. Like we are literally living inside of the matrix all the time. And so just getting out in nature and hiking around and seeing like trees and animals and streams and waterfalls it's a it's just great it's like an antidote to modern living so enough of that just want to let you know where i've been and why there wasn't an episode last week because i needed a break okay uh and now i'm back so back to our regularly scheduled programming and today's programming is with none other than chuck huber I got to meet him at the HeroCon a month or so ago. The two of us were signing autographs together, and he's voiced hundreds of roles, including in Dragon Ball Z and My Hero Academia. But he started in the theater, and I always find that really interesting when voice actors have a background in theater or singing or some sort of related field that gave them an advantage. And he shares his story and his advice for voice actors and what went into his becoming successful in his career in this interview. And he and I actually have a couple more events coming up where we will be signing autographs together. So if you'd like to see us in person, he and I are going to be appearing at BACON in Houston, Texas on July 1st and 2nd. And one other convention which I can't remember right now, but it's farther in the future, so I will let you know when that comes up. Sometimes these Comic-Con appearances are contracted, but I can't announce them until 
the cons themselves announce us. So just know that there will be a, a couple more events where the two of us are going to be signing together in the future. But for me, in July, as long as we're on to the scheduling now, again, I'll be at BACON in the Houston, Texas area on July 1st and 2nd. The following weekend, I will be appearing at Legendary Con in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, which is like an hour outside of Pittsburgh. So if you live in that area, I've never done an appearance up there. Come out, say hi. We'd love to see you. I'm going to be doing a couple of store signings in Florida on the weekends of July 15th and July 22nd. The one on July 22nd is going to be at Super Anime Store in Lauderhill, Florida, in the Fort Lauderdale area. And finally, the end of July, July 29th and 30th, the big one, Rhode Island Anime Con. I'll be there all weekend long. That's a huge convention. So if you live up in that part of the country, definitely stop by. It's going to be a party, and I'd love to see you there. And now, let's go to my conversation with Chuck Huber. Are you an actor's actor? I am an actor's actor. That's for I sure. get the sense. Uh, now, I looked a little into your bio here, and I have to say, I... This you know may may lose me listeners to to go into this uh, right off the bat, but I saw that credit for Steppenwolf Theater, and I'm like, oh, yeah, whoa, yeah. that's yeah. that's some real theater stuff there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is, thanks. That's man. outside of Chicago, right? Yeah, in Chicago. It was in actually Chicago. two like five blocks away from my apartment when I got the gig. Oh, and uh, I got uh, yeah, I it was it was great because uh, I got the gig. And, um, it was my third, it was going into my fourth year of college. So it's at, at the, at the college at DePaul university, the, the Goodman school of drama, the theater school there. And, okay. You um, went to theater school. That was my next yeah, question. Yeah. 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 Total consists juggling, clowning, weaponry, stage combat, Shakespeare, poison speech. Yeah. Was the juggling day, all the clowning? The juggling and clowning was for the backup career, I take it. That's right. That's yeah. right. No, man. We had the uh, the dean of the the Ring Ringling Brothers and Barnum mm -hmm. and Bailey Clown School come in and teach us a workshop. It was one of the most incredible workshops I ever did. That school used to be down near where I live in Florida. Uh, I'm in St. Petersburg, and they were just over the bridge in Sarasota. And mm -hmm. Penn of Penn and Teller went there. Oh, really? Yeah. They, they that produced makes at least sense. one famous graduate before they yeah. went belly up. Or I guess a clown college going out of business would be a belly belly flop, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Did they go out of business? That's so yeah, sad. They're not around anymore. That's, that's what's yeah. wrong with the world. I right guess now. clowns just <laughs> determined after a while they didn't need a degree in, that's right. in what they wanted to pursue. That they could just we, go out and do it. Yeah. We used to joke about that all the time when we we're at theater school, where like you're in the the big audition and Scorsese's there. It's your third time reading for this like mid role in a brilliant Scorsese picture it's going to be your big break and he's yeah. like Chuck we really want to use you but you got a B minus in yoga class so yeah. <laughs> we don't think you're but, fit for for but, what we're doing here <laughs> but, but when he sees that you that you acted at, at Steppenwolf Steppenwolf by the way as 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 I recall wasn't that founded by Gary Sinise the actor yeah Gary right, Sinise Lieutenant John did, Malkovich yeah and, and yeah. Malkovich yeah you guy so, or, or, or Francis Guinan a bunch bunch of great Chicago actors really great actors yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll let I'll let you characterize your origin story like how how you got started as an actor <clears throat> and how that worked its way into voice acting for you 
Yeah, well, the the so Steppenwolf. I mean, a good place to. I did the standard, you know, kid uh, stuff acting wise from about seventh grade on. Um, an English teacher spotted me in the hallway and said, "You should be an actor," and kind of grabbed me and dragged me to the speech and uh, a drama teacher and said, "Here's a here's another actor for you." And I was like, wow. "Okay, that, I guess I'm an actor." And that teacher changed your life. Yeah, she did. She was cool. Yeah. We did uh, a, a duet. My first acting scene ever was uh, from Of Mice and Men. So, so oh, seventh which, grader. Which character did you play? I played George. George, okay. <laughs> that was not Lenny. We had Steve Sprawls. He was like six foot two was my Lenny. And I was like yeah. four foot 11. So it, it worked. We visually. Yeah. Imagine uh, if that part. teacher hadn't had as strong a grip and you'd been able to wriggle out and not go. It's true. And it's yeah. true. Well, there's, you know, I mean. The, the, I, I well, I kind of, I wanted to be an actor before this teacher pointed it out. There was just really no opportunities for it. There was opportunities for acting in the house when we would play charades. We would always uh, act out like Monty Python scenes. We were always doing uh, prank phone calls or answering the phone as if we were, you know, a pizzeria or a car mechanic shop. And everybody would sort of part of the whole jump in like, hey, Larry, I need the belts over here. You know, whatever from the background while you're on the phone. Yeah. So it was it but, was real you know, lively. Being, being like obnoxious that. isn't uh, a prerequisite for being an actor. Like you could do that <laughs> kind of those kind of hijinks and it is any any profession, really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking maybe being a well, whatever. But uh yeah, so I did all that. And so I think had she not pulled me out, and I wish I could remember her name, but she literally that was like her only interaction with me. That's the uh -huh. only thing wow. she did. She's just gonna it grab was, me in. It was the hand of fate reaching down yeah. across the ages to say, Chuck Huber, you Huber, are an no, actor can, now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, had she not, I think I probably would have ended up there anyway. Yeah. I probably would have ended up as an actor. It just would have taken maybe a little longer. But so I did all so, that. I did uh, drama tournaments and, and mm -hmm. all that stuff uh, in high school and then went to DePaul University and uh, got this gig the uh, going into my fourth year. And DePaul was like, no, I'm sorry, you can't work at the Steppenwolf and still go to school. So I had to quit school. Of course, uh, yes. To work at the Steppenwolf. <laughs> right. But then I, I did go back. I went back a year later uh -huh. and finished my degree because I had three years at DePaul. I, it's stupid if I didn't finish my degree. So mm -hmm. I, felt, I felt I was correcting uh, a mistake. My father had gone to Loyola and uh, had uh, quit with two credits short of his accounting degree. So I feel oh, like I okay. so, some, some generational so, error there. Exactly. Yeah. You, you had to do it for the fam, for the family. And, That's right. And then how long did it take for you to find your way to voice acting? And how did that happen? Well, our agency in Chicago was known as the voice actor agency. It was Jefferson and Associates. It was sort of a mm -hmm. boutique agency. Pamela Jefferson uh, on the, the VO side and Chuck Saussier on the TV film uh, theater side. And so I was aware of voiceover. We had, we were kind of a rare agency. We had a, um, uh, a recording device. I wouldn't call it a studio. It was a clock, you know, it was standard typical startup booth at the agency mm -hmm. in in the early 90s uh, so that we could come in and record our auditions at the agency yeah uh, that's how i always did it you'd have to with me being in la it was always like an hour to drive to the agency yeah. and find parking <laughs> and then sign in and wait an hour for your 
30 seconds on the mic to record an audition. Oh, God. An Mine was better than that. I used to yeah. be able to take my bike and be at the agency in about 15, 20 minutes uh, by bicycle. Yeah, I th- bicycle. Chicago seems, a, the theater district anyway, seems a lot more compact than out. Yeah, whole, the whole thing is easier to get around in. I never yeah. had a car in Chicago. There was no, wow. no need to, really. Jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I went to film school at NYU. So when I was in oh, New nice. York, I never had that's a, I mean we both started kind of our careers in college but with me it was mostly through the radio station there but Man. I loved not having a car and it's one of the main reasons I left LA was I got sick of sitting in stop and go traffic like I'm uh, you know uh, in the first scene of the movie Office Space every day yeah. just stop go Stop. Yeah, okay. office Stop. space or falling down. It's you sort of teeter between those two. Oh, I forgot two. about falling down. Is that Michael Douglas goes <laughs> yeah, insane basically and walks out of his car in the middle of the freeway? That's right. That's right. That was <laughs> very snaps. LA back then. Very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't stand traffic. If I had to, if I had to, that's one of the things that turned me off about LA. I was like, ah. Just getting like to a friend's house and then to the restaurant and then to the after party was like we we're in the car for like two hours. So if you live in home. Burbank and you have a friend in, uh, let's say, um, Santa Monica, like you'll right. basically never see him unless you run into each other at a game. <laughs> <laughs> and you're what seven and a half miles apart? What it's is it, seven miles, miles, but it's an hour <laughs> and there's parking issues, so just yeah. screw it. Find a new yeah. friend, basically. At that, if the, if the friend moves to the other side of the valley, you find a new friend. Yeah. Oh, I remember in Chicago, I did have. I had a Ford Escort for one of the years. My agent told me to buy a car. He said it would be uh, uh, easier for me to get to auditions and jobs. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I remember in Chicago, like if you had friends who had extra parking at their house, you were like way more likely to go uh, visit them. <laughs> right. Now you're in Dallas now, and I I'm, I don't want to skip to your current body of work sure. in the Dallas area without finding out, like, what was your first big voiceover gig? How did you determine you were going to focus on that? Well, I and that's that's what I'd uh, picking back up. They were uh, a voiceover agency, and so I was aware of auditions and mic technique, and we. It, so this was commercial voiceover. My first big commercial gig was for uh, Super Nintendo, uh, Arrow the Acrobat. Uh, and my line was, Arrow the Acrobat from Nintendo, bite me. That's all I had to say. And uh, you said it just like that? Pretty much. Pretty much uh, and then I, voice, yeah. Yeah, and then I said it maybe uh, at four or five different levels. It was just a director and a, uh, uh, engineer in the, in the in the booth, in the studio. So... I was like, uh, my my agent had told me, she said, when you get to a voiceover gig, uh, m- multiply the number of people you see through the window times, uh, uh, what did she say, times 45 minutes, and that's how long your session will be? Because you got paid more if the session went longer. Okay, okay. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a short one. Uh, but there were ones where there'd be like, you know, the ad, the ad agency people, the corporate people, and the director, the engineer, and the writer all in there. And you'd be like, I'm going to clean up today. Mm-hmm. They're going to take a butt ton of time. But I, I was in and out in like 20 minutes and made like $15,000 from that. Oh, one wow. That's quite yeah. a first gig. Those commercial gigs are few and far between if they even exist anymore. I don't think, they, do they exist anymore? I don't I remember think so. It yeah. was like the actor what? lottery. Like you booked some recurring something on a, you know, insurance commercial and they'd see them 
you know, pulling yeah, up a in recurring, their new car. Right. I remember my first agency in L.A., there were some heavy hitters there, including Carlos Alas Rocky. And I was there when he booked the uh, Taco Bell Chihuahua. I'm like, oh, oh you're going to buy a house in the Hollywood Hills now. Oh, man. And these days it's like $500 <laughs> buyout, no residual. That's <laughs> right. That's yeah, right. We're, oh, we're screwed, man. They need to they need to do something for us because it's not like I, Well, I, I voted yes on the strike authorization. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, but it's probably, <laughs> it's probably a, a decade too late uh, to do anything about it. Yeah, it, I think you're it right. It was my experience in the early 2000s that this was already eroding and uh, so the commercial win was enough for you to say hey this is legitimate i can actually go professional as a voice yeah. actor now yeah, um, yeah were you also doing anime or video games or anything oh and what year would it, would that have been when you scored that first commercial audition? that first gig would have been yeah. 91 oh so you are quite a few years before me uh, you wear it well, sir. I had no idea. Oh, thank you. Were, you. Thank you. You were in the in your golden years. <laughs> in seventy, I'm 130. <laughs> yes, <laughs> 91. That's why you got 15 grand for a commercial. Oh, my God. <laughs> Back when yeah. it was, there were there yeah. were three there two, uh, there was network and then cable. And if you're like, oh sweet, we got cable, and then they network cable, and then if they cut your spot into a radio spot as well, so you were like you know, running on those three different markets all paid huge. It was crazy. The was only experience I had doing that was when I was the promo guy for Fox Kids Saturday mornings. And then oh, yeah. when Fox Kids ceased to exist, I did the same exact thing for Kids WB. And they would cut the same spots into all the they, – they, rather, they would cut all the station IDs into all those spots. So you would say, right. you know, next week on Jackie Chan Adventures or whatever on – and then once only I would have recorded Whammy in Miami, you know, and 36 other station affiliates. And i just hold while they would cut all of those tags in and get paid for all of them. That was the same oh. Yes. <laughs> so delicious. I miss yes. the delicious money. I know. And look, the re reason I speak about this side of the business on this podcast is that there's a lot of people that listen that are fans, uh, fans sure. of you, fans of me. Uh, but there are also a lot of aspiring voice actors out there. And right. I think it's important to have real information from pros that have been around and not just people bragging on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's too much misinformation out there. Like that <laughs> that sort of story, these those sorts of gigs don't exist anymore, really. It's not, more a matter not of really. just it's more a matter of just grinding out consistency now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's it's much more like uh we're voiceover is kind of like Uber if you work it long enough in enough different markets and figure out where the traffic is, you're gonna You'll start to make money at it, whether it's e-learning or audiobooks or you know what, whatever. The the people who have the big dream of becoming an anime voice actor, it's totally possible. It's a very simple process, but they face more often than not their own vision of what they thought it was going to be, and then when mm -hmm. it's not that, it's the disappointment and the the you know, sort of reframing internally what, what they want from the business. Mm -hmm. But I always tell people, if you don't enjoy the process, if you don't enjoy the process of being turned down over and over again, while, you know, sort of self-propelling yourself through an industry so you have that to be a masochist gonna... is what you're saying. Yeah, you have to basically, enjoy basically. being turned down. Yes. Yes. 100%. That's a new one. But I, you I've do. Never heard, 
I've never really heard it put that way. Like it's the it's the Uber principle of you just have to keep going out there. That that is absolutely true, and you have to be consistent and tenacious and do it long enough until yeah. you sort of develop your own regulars, as it were, and and that's yeah, how you yeah. can build a career. And here and there, you get one of those like dream clients or dream gigs or right. opportunities. And then you do that for a week or a month and then it's gone and you're back to the, yeah. the Uber aspect of just knocking it out every day. Like, like yeah. a poker player that is able to have a career for years instead of a flash in the pan that wins the big pot right. and, and disappears, right. you know, won the world championships of poker one year and then you never hear of him again. It's not that you're the grinder, you know, that is continuously able to show up play the game, uh, leave with a little right. more than you came to it with. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. 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 And uh, so after Chicago, I moved to the the Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth area. And, uh, and this is the other thing I tell people getting into it. When you hear about voice actors, you know, quote, making it or their break, uh, the what happens for that break is not nearly as important as what happens leading up to that break. So mm -hmm. I was a professional actor for 10 years in Chicago. I was SAG after equity, moved down to the Dallas Fort Worth area. It's a right to work state. So I'm kind of skating by doing some non after a, a stuff. And so, you know, buddy. Around when was that? Was that early 2000s or? Yeah, we're talking 98, 99. Okay, so almost time. a decade in the Chicago yeah. market. And then, yeah, yeah. But still, that's pretty early for you to have moved to Dallas, like there was no Crunchyroll or Funimation even then, right? No, and I did, I mean, Funimation was just starting, uh, ADV in Houston ADV. had already started, um, but I didn't specifically move here to get into VO. I left Chicago because my, uh, uh, my, <laughs> My career was stopped. <laughs> Nothing was going on. Nothing no, was going on. I had I had a bad uh, uh, encounter with my agent, who oh. uh, had more more power than than uh, I assumed it was my talent getting me places. I didn't realize he had the power to just shut it all off. Yeah, but uh, can you? Uh, I want to hear the story. Tell us what <laughs> happened. No, he uh, he uh, he he you know, sexually assaulted me <laughs> and I didn't really, what? Uh, yeah, oh, I was, he, I didn't realize there was an actual story behind. That. Oh yeah. 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 Holy he, cannolis, he, man. And, and I say yeah. that, that the difference, like people talk about like, Oh, men get, men get, uh, abused too. And it's like, yeah, we do. But I was never afraid of him. It terrified me, but I was never physically afraid of him. He just kind of grabbed me and I shoved him off me. And I was like, fuck you. And I, I left the, the house we were staying at his friend's house in LA. Uh -huh. And, uh, uh, and then I, I refused to move to LA. I didn't, I didn't want to. And he came back to Chicago and just canceled me out of everywhere. I had wow. like, no, and, no more theater auditions. No and more that was film like 25 auditions. years ago. So long before me too, or anything. Oh uh, yeah. There's no way to like tell anyone, you or, know, uh, uh, nobody. Cared. So <laughs> my, my next door neighbor in LA was Terry Cruz who oh, yeah. was very public about being assaulted by a man in the entertainment industry. And he's the only story I can think of other than your own that that has that kind of dynamic to it. Yeah. And he was very yeah. brave to do it recently. I mean, I imagine back then there was really nothing you could do or say. No, no, no. I didn't even 
kind of understand, you know, I didn't understand what happened to me until after mm -hmm. the Me Too movement. I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I suddenly stopped acting in this city where I was top of the acting oh, you, class. You didn't even put it together. No, I just, one I just thing left. Led to the other. Yeah. yeah, I just moved back to the, that my family was in Dallas, Fort Worth. And mm -hmm. so I was like, uh, I told my, my children's mother uh, uh, that, uh, you know, she, we could go anywhere and she picked Dallas, Fort Worth to be my family. And I was like, all right, let's do that. So, yeah. Well, yeah but then, then in I would, a way and that there's a, a real voice acting community that's sprung up there. Oh yeah, for sure. So I got, I got to DFW and started a theater company and one of the guys came into the, the rehearsals and was like, you should go audition for this, this Dragon Ball Z thing. Here's this guy's number. His name's Chris Abbott give him a call. It's really cool. It's fun. And I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. But it was, uh, all these things around that moment, my break where someone hands you Chris Sabat's number, he's desperate mm -hmm. for actors and you call him and you show up when he says, and you do the audition. Like, yeah, that's a big break for me. Right time, right place, classic story. But all the stuff that I did to get to the point where I was in a rehearsal with another actor who was a colleague and a friend who, and who was going to share information. That's, you know, decades of work yep. being a good, good partner, good colleague, good, good friend, you know, oh, yeah. all that work, well, starting a theater company, you know, that all feeds into that moment. Most, most definitely. I mean, for me, definitely tie on Digimon was my big break and the <clears> thing that I've done for over 20 years, but there were some similarities to that that required getting trained, you know, majoring in college in an area that would help me down this path, moving to L.A. I met a teacher that put me in another class, and that person recommended me for a show with a little company called Saban that led to Power Rangers, that led to an audition on Digimon and led everything right. else. It's like yeah. any one of those, if any one of those pieces had been left out, then that career trajectory would not have happened. That break would Something different, yeah. yeah Something yeah. different would have happened. Yeah. That's why there's a huge focus from fans on uh, that career being some type of, you know, Nirvana, but it's not... Uh, you have to do everything. I did costume character work. I was a rat in a parade. I, you know, I've done puppet shows. You would be shows. surprised how many voice actors I've had on this show that say they dressed up as costumed character. Yeah. 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 It's a gig. It's, yeah. a, I it's own, a paying hey, gig. I, I owned a, a company. I owned an agency for uh, costume characters and kids parties in LA. Oh, did you really? Yeah, in oh, the yeah. 90s and did very nice. well with it. And I would send oh, yeah. out all my actor friends, but I was a magician. I was always a magician. So I would reserve oh, okay. the, the magic inquiries for myself and anything else. I would send all my You'd, actor friends out. And take 10%. Yeah, yeah because, <laughs> because you're still performing and that's a tough that's right. crowd. Yeah. What 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 company wants a mascot a rat as a mascot? Not a uh, not a cute cartoon mouse. You said rat. That's right. It was a rat. Uh, it was yeah. uh, we were essentially we were rats in the Cowtown parade. Uh, me and my friend Dennis Hoxie, and uh, we had uh, it had this this ribbon that had the exterminators because it was for an extermination company. <laughs> And so it had like the number called, called get rid rats or something and yeah. it had the number on it, but it was so hot. And the, the, um, the parade was like a three hour parade route. It felt like it yeah. went on forever. 
and the banners wouldn't stay on. So about, I don't know, 40 minutes into the parade, the banners had fallen off and we couldn't see and it was hot and there's like sweat dripping in your eyes. Oh, but you're ten. still so clutching, just... you're clutching in your in your sweat-drenched hand, you're clutching that diploma from theater school. <laughs> That's right. See, Dad. I'm... What's my motivation? Yes. What's my motivation? So terrible. Uh, so we just walked as random rats in a parade with no advertising. So just, <laughs> just, I mean, we're like a Dada exhibition. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, made no scaring sense, the children and the old paid. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, perfect. First well, I, gig. I mean, I. The next question is, what's a fun fact about you? But that would have been a good one. So now you have to yeah. come up with a different fun fact. No uh, fun fact about me. Uh, 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 I am uh, enamored with uh, mnemonics of all kinds, and I write stories that combine different mnemonics in a way that is uh, comprehensive so that people can download and digest and internalize large bits of information. Uh, rather like quickly. I tried to do with your last name unsuccessfully. That's true. That's true. Yes. One, so give us an example of, of, of one of your mnemonic. Um, the one I'm working on right now that I've, that I've kicked open, I've had it for years. I've been working on these for years. I used to be a teacher and I was a principal. I was a principal of a small private Catholic school and mnemonics and education and making education better at transferring semantic memory into episodic memory is, is like, was like my... Because we all memorize stories like a kid. If you say, give me everything you know about, uh, uh, well, a kid. OK, so a, a Harry Potter fan. Tell me everything you know about Harry Potter. They can list 50 names. They can tell you so much from the story. They know all these words that are not, you know, English words like they because Harry Potter is a story. You download all this information into your, yeah. you know, sort of long term memory. <laughs> I, I've but, always used the the Roman oratory method of the peg system yep. when yeah. memorizing things in my mentalism show or my speeches and things where you're yeah. walking you're walking through uh, a palace and each room has an item pegged to it and that's how you could right. remember is are, is that sort of thing that you're talking about or you mean more more uh, uh, the sounds of the words and alliteration onomatopoeia and those sorts of things. Yeah, so I use I use everything, and I have I have some stories that utilize the the memory palace. Uh, mm -hmm. The one I'm working on now uses a what I call a, a fuzzy rhyme uh, to create uh, keywords. So it, it's based on the Pledge of Allegiance. So you can turn the Pledge of Allegiance into 33 keywords by using sort of a fuzzy rhyme. The the keywords would be I pull edge allege. So I pull edge, allege, and stew. So I pull edge, allege, and stew. So like suddenly you have all these words. <laughs> so if you connected to a thing I you already pull, know, edge, allege, and stew, then suddenly you know the pledge of allegiance. How no, so you know, no, you already have the pledge of allegiance memorized. What I do is transfer <laughs> it into a list of words. I uh -huh. pull edge, allege, and stew of United States, a thumb air hiccup. Um, so like. It, and then you take one of those words like I, and that transfers into a picture of an eye at the end of a telescope. And the person looking through the telescope is Columbus. 
and it's what? 1492 and he's sailing. So you connect the word I yeah. to Columbus. And so I do American history part, all the way through the better. But what yeah. are you using all this for? Are you writing a book? Are you teaching a class? Sure. Is it just for fun? You don't know. You uh, just do it. Yeah. I don't know why. Probably I'll share it with the world when it's ready. Okay. What, <laughs> I did what some are... other ones. I had, uh, you know, I had uh, for years, uh, I did this play because I was a Catholic school teacher. So I had this play <laughs> that taught you how to memorize the Are you Ten Catholic? Commandments. Do they allow people who are not in that faith to, to teach? Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah, in, sure they do. Catholic but yeah, yeah, I was raised Catholic for sure. Okay, so that's and handy. I, You're already familiar with I think with I've the... graduated from yeah. the yeah. organized <laughs> religion. But <laughs> graduated from it. Yeah, you re yeah. are you recovering or you got another diploma? Which... No, I'm not recovering. I would say I've graduated. Okay. I'm not You learned I'm not what you needed to learn. Yeah. You don't need to yeah. go I... anymore. You got it covered. I go, I go and see, yeah. you know, it's nice to have culture. We don't have a lot of culture in this country. And that's, and that's the, the truth. Yeah. Catholic. There's lots of cultures, smells, bells, rituals, you know, and it's all connected to your Snacks. childhood and your family yeah. and the coffee is bad and the margaritas are watery at casino night or whatever, you know, <laughs> Catholic stuff, yes. you know. Yeah, so but uh, yeah, so year, you years I had a play that taught the Ten Commandments and uh -huh. I'd have like rooms of like a thousand kids and they'd all have the Ten Commandments memorized when I when I was finished doing the play. And that used a little number rhyme to wow. like one run, yeah. two shoes. I bet three, you could three. license that to schools. That could be a touring children's theater kind of a play. Yeah. Yeah, I did that for a while. I, I probably went to about 100, 150 different schools doing it. You, you got like a little entrepreneurial streak to you and you're a, a scholar as well as a gentleman. Sure. So, what, <laughs> what, what other projects outside of anime are you working on? Uh, I am promoting a, I, my, my prints at my table, the prints I sign, I've now figured out how to attach augmented reality to them. So that they come to life when you point your phone at it. Uh, so I've been uh, what kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Publish AR. Uh, it's an app you can download, uh, and I use a combination of that and an app called Revive. Mm -hmm. uh, Revive lets you stick a picture, uh, and then you press the the little microphone button and you talk, and then the picture talks uh, based on whatever you say. So you can take the Mona Lisa and make the Mona Lisa talk. So I, I do that Is with some of my. Is it using your prints. voice when it talks? Like, did you record yeah. stuff to go with the pic? Wow, very yeah, next so, level. You know. Yeah. Uh, Wait a second. Uh, I was uh, signing next to you all weekend. It, that's how we met at the Hero Con in Fort I don't, Myers, I don't, and I, I don't think it. I had, yeah, I, I hadn't started it at that point. I was just still exploring it. But this weekend was kind of my first, uh, first time fully yeah. using it at the, not fully using it at the table, but it's, uh, the reaction to it's really good. People are, people are like, oh, cause you know, I have a picture of one of my characters and then you mm -hmm. point the phone at it and it, transfers to the the famous scene that's being depicted kind of comes Dragon to life. of the darkness yeah 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 so, wow and uh, that's, uh yeah that's very interesting next time we do a convention together i will be oh yeah yeah, yeah. no you're checking yeah, that yeah, i know we have one or two coming up but uh but before we get before we get to that uh what mm -hmm. do you wish you knew when you started as a voice actor that you know now i don't i don't know I don't know. I mean, career wise, I kind of respect the journey and I'm not sure. 
I would change anything or wish I knew anything different. Cause then, then I feel like I'd, I, I don't know. I wish, uh, okay. Because I wish it, I knew because about it, because it all create, made you who you are. Yeah, it did. But right, I wish yeah. I would have known about like simple business school classes and creating an LLC and managing taxes. Uh, that stuff's important. Yeah. 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 If I could have started that when I was 17 instead of when I was 48 or when, mm -hmm. whenever I started paying attention to that stuff, I would yep. be much better off. I run all payroll, all, all the gigs payroll me through my LLC and right. I have for years. And there's yeah. a number of benefits to separating the business side of your voice acting or performing career from the personal side. Right. That. Uh, so uh, are there, are there things in the world of voice acting that you like bucket list kind of projects that you'd like to work on or you know anything that you haven't done in your long and storied career that you'd still like to be a part of i don't think so we what we often joke i mean i've i've uh i've been doing it for 25 years yes there are higher heights to which I could reach, but I don't think arguably there are many. Um, uh, I've done, but my wife and I will joke about having climbed to the top of anime mountain two or three times now, at least, uh, you know, I've, I've done that and I'm kind of moving on to, uh, different things. So I don't think I'm really focused on trying to accomplish anything in mm -hmm. voiceover just to, you know, to be, to not be yeah. striving anymore. Like that you're satisfied with what you've accomplished. I get that too. When I left LA and I left voice acting for a number of years, it was because I had other creative pursuits and right. other dreams I wanted to fulfill. And, and like, I felt like I had done that. Like, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I will say it, uh, I would like, another and purely one one more purely for my fans sake i would like one more awesome cool role like uh, dr stein or something you know like like a side character that's beloved in a in a well-loved series that would be cool one more of those all right you know what? <laughs> and with that let's move into the lightning round all right i'm ready <laughs> Is there a role you've always wanted to voice? Mm, anything in a Studio Ghibli. Who's your favorite voice actor? Chuck Huber. High self-esteem there. Uh, <laughs> what's a voice actor you'd love to work with? Oh, what's that? I'd love to work with. Uh, out of time. What's your favorite voiceover role that you've done? Hiei uh, from Yu Yu Hakusho. What's a project you'd love to work on? Uh, film work, generally speaking, but most especially as a director. And that has been the lightning round. Yes. How do you think AI will impact voice actors and the voiceover industry? Yeah, that's a uh, pretty thick question. I, AI is coming. There is no stopping it. It is going to be as culture shifting as electricity was. Uh, so everybody's, you kind of have to get ready for it. Uh, it's going to 
eliminate a lot of need for what I consider to be the worst parts of voice acting, which are monotonous, take, you know, not fulfilling for the voice actor. There's going to be plenty of use for AI in those things. But as far as like videos and the sorts of things that people actually start out doing though, like the, the stepping stone roles. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to go away. But then I think there's probably going to be, you know, because every time there's a new technology like this, they, there are always doomsayers who are mostly correct, but we adapt and overcome and find enough good to balance out the bad uh, mm-hmm. to continue on as a species. Um, so I, I'm not negating any of the doomsayers because uh, they are all almost always correct, uh, but they just don't factor into the their equation, all the other good stuff that humans can do with things. So I think they're, there's going to be a role correct, for voice They're but not actors. seeing the entirety of the picture. Correct. Uh, I don't think humanity is going to be taken over by uh, robots. Um, But I do think, you know, uh, actors are going to lose out on on that sort of lower rung. It's going to prioritize. I always say this. It's going to prioritize human ingenuity uh, and creativity Mm because that's the one thing they aren't able to replicate. replicate. Mm -hmm. Not yet, but they probably will. And once they do. it's I'm not sad if it makes us get up on stage, you know, because we'll be like, you know, live performance will become very important. Um, At that point, theater will become more important. It'll become more cultural. It'll become more of a temple or church with other humans. And yeah, because as we're feeling overwhelmed and encircled by technology, we're going to go back to the fire, back to the fishing hole, back to the, you know, the the things that connect us as humans so yeah it may be terrible forests yeah 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 uh yeah i like drum circles at the beach personally but yeah i yeah i i Both. i think yeah those are some very interesting insights chuck huber i had no idea you were such a deep thinker this is uh <laughs> very, turning out to be a very interesting interview oh well very good uh, uh but just so that we don't stay too highbrow with sure. this because I know I know my audience. Uh, let's talk tech, but sexy. <laughs> Tell us about your voiceover booth. <laughs> <laughs> Does it keep going? Oh, it keeps going. Yeah, it keeps talk. going. Yeah, right, you right. got you gotta you gotta do the, my gotta booth. Do the sexy voice. Yeah, my booth is a oh, no. converted walk-in closet. With sound attenuation foam covering its surfaces. I have a Sterling ST780 connected to a long XLR cable. That's right. Chuck Huber's cable is long. Avid Fast Track Pro Solo. Two inputs. And I put it in. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> That's terrible. That's a terrible thing you've just made me feel. I'm really upset about that. All righty then. <clears throat> and now it's time for questions from the fans. Ooh. Now, I, le- I never look at these ahead of time. So let's right. find out, A, if you have fans, and B, <laughs> <laughs> if they True. have questions. And we will start yes. with... The gram Instagram here. So, yeah, there we go. 
Um, Anime Hokey uh, would like to know how he got the part of, is it H-I-E-I? He-A. He-A. All right. How did you get the part, uh, and did you audition for any other parts uh, in that project as well? Yeah, I auditioned for all four, as I recall. And I remember wanting Yusuke, uh, not really understanding voice types at that time, knowing that my voice would not really fit for Yusuke. Uh, but I, I auditioned for all four of them. If I didn't get Yusuke, I wanted Karama. Uh, and then they direct the shows in four episode chunks. And I think Hie comes in episode eight. And so after the casting was, after we did all the auditions, I heard they had started recording Yu Yu Hawk show. And I hadn't been called in for anything. And I was like super sad because I knew uh, I didn't realize he didn't come in till the eighth uh, episode. Ah. Otherwise, I would have had some hope. But they had been recording for like a month and a half and I hadn't been called in. So I was like, oh, man, I didn't get cast. That sucks. And then they called me in for he and I was like, he is the greatest, best character ever. I'm so happy to have he just because I was in the show. Uh, JC Calypso asks, how do you feel about going from anime to doing Star Trek The Journey Continues? Yeah, Star Trek Continues was a fan series, and uh, but it was the like triple A version of a fan series. We had guest stars like Lou Ferrigno and Jamie Bamber and Gigi Edgeley and just a whole bunch of cool people who wanted to play on our Star Trek sets. And it was shot just like... Um, old school Star Trek, but it was my favorite thing. One of my favorite things I've ever done in my entire career. Cause we're the same group of people for seven years filming in little two week chunks once or twice a year. And so it was like a camp. It was like hmm. getting to go to camp once a year and, and play. Uh, I'm an actor in a famous series that uh, has a crew and a, a regular system. It was fun. Uh, it was good work. Good work. Last question on Instagram. Uh, is there a character that you have voiced that has taught you lessons in life? If so, which would it be? Uh, Dr. Stein had a philosophy that was ch not challenging to me, but was similar enough to mine, but different in some ways. He leaned a little bit more chaotic evil, whereas I lean a little bit more chaotic good. So there was a fun tension between my spirit and his spirit when I was learning to deal with him, because no matter what character you're playing, you have to be able to, in your mind, support what it is they're doing. If you have mm -hmm. any doubt that what they're doing is the correct thing, it usually comes up. I mean, not that characters can't doubt themselves, but I mean, you have to have We're always core. a hero in our own mind, in our own story. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So he was That's a challenge. That's the key to playing villains, right? Yeah. Is that, the, that the villain feels perfectly justified in whatever others perceive to be as so chaotic. Not only dark. not only justified, but like like it goes beyond justified. They think they should be thanked. They think yes. they're really doing. You know what I mean? Like, look at me. I'm I'm saving saving the world for you. Yeah, your favorite villain. <laughs> my oh is that a question or am i just no uh, no but that, uh, that they all think they should yeah. be yeah what you're saying is that narcissistic impetus to be to be thanked right. for the the uh terror right. that they're inflicting 
right upon right us. it's like uh yeah. it's like uh the central banking system we have to we yeah. thank them with uh was, with yes, atm I was fees. about politicians when I, when <laughs> same I thing responding. yeah same thank, thing. right thank us for the convenience uh provided by the atm <laughs> that is uh taking a vigorish in the form of a fee uh all right over on <laughs> yeah, twitter sure. lots of questions and comments on twitter let me just pick out a, a few um uh, Odelia asks, uh, what character that you have voiced is most like your own personality? Uh, pro- and, and there would be little disagreement from my colleagues in the anime community. It would probably be Dr. Stein uh, because he is, he's a, like I said, he's like me. I'm a little more chaotic good. He's a little more chaotic evil, but uh, yeah, probably Dr. Stein. Or Hiro Nohara from Shin Chan when it comes to dealing with my family. And all my kids is probably like Hero. Well, as a follow-up question, Preston Wise asks, how does it feel to be one of the most hated uh, anime characters or to voice one? You aren't actually the character we should specify. The roles that we voice are not based on us as human beings. They understand that. Shao Tucker is who we're talking about from Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, as (laughs) most of them do. Uh, There is a lovely comical... uh, a play that I do with fans when they come up hating me about Shao Tucker. We, we enter into this instant improv where I am maniacally and deliciously in love with their pain uh, and then try to torture them with, with different. Uh, I used to have a Nina Alexander plushie. If you don't know, this is a character who combines the family dog with his daughter in a single homunculi that is horrifying. Um, and it, As you it traumatized, do. yeah, it traumatized a lot of children. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, that was uh, I. Li- I like the interchange, the interaction. Uh, the The fans hate actually feels like love. If I'm being <laughs> honest. <laughs> Leo Prince asks, uh, "What's your favorite moment from Android 17? Definitely uh, when he says, "Look at me being all human," and sacrifices himself. <clears throat> It was cool to see his transition from just sort of evil shark, you know, world destroying shark because he was just sort of dead inside to now, you know, having a family and sacrificing himself for his friends. And uh, it's fun. It was fun. He's definitely uh, he is my favorite character. But Android 17 is has probably been the best to me. He's he's such a cool character. And finally, moving over to Facebook, you actually got a lot of questions on Facebook. Let's just pick the book out. of face. Yes, one or two from the book of face. Uh, how is it coming back and voicing Android Seventeen in Dragon Ball Super? Uh, and hi, uh, uh, Kie. What is OVA? OVA. OVA. Yeah, OVA's. Uh, I don't know what OVA stands for, but they're for the OVA's. Episodes. Oh, the original VA. Maybe she just meant VAs. <clears throat> No, no. I'm trying, OVAs to, I'm trying to read are... this. Yeah, after you originally <laughs> recorded the characters, can you make sense yeah, of that so, question? Yes. Yeah, I can absolutely. OVAs <laughs> are when uh, the series is over, but they're, they're like DLC, downloadable content. It's like an, a couple extra episodes they add that are not part of the original arc or story. So we did Yu Yu Hakusho a billion years ago for the 30th anniversary Blu-ray. They wrote uh, two new episodes one that happens before the beginning of the series and one that happens after the end of the series. So they're like bonus episodes. So I got to dust off Hiei and jump into his character again. I see. I after see. like 
20, 15 years, uh, I think was the yeah. last, maybe more than that. How was that? Like 18 years. Like it was fun. It was a blast. Yeah. Like riding a bike. I, I described it because the last time I did here, we were in the Funimation studios in the bank building. Uh, so this is before where they had the big studios. Uh, uh, and so every, now they're in the Crunchyroll studios, which have nice sort of colorful um, uh, cloth patterns on the walls. And they're sort of bright and cheerful. Funimation was very dark and black. And so I felt like I had died and been brought back to life later in the future. And everything was the same, but it had changed because I was just in the a lot nicer. And, yeah. Yeah. It was like it was it was just weird. It hurt my brain a little bit uh, to to record them, not in a bad way, but just kind of like in a wow, we're all going to die uh, sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> like you're in the afterlife, maybe recording yep. this. That's why Possibly. the studio is so nice. Yeah. Possibly. And, and last question from Tabby Williams on Facebook: How invested do you get in into each project? Is it superficial? I think she means yeah, emotionally. Is it superficial, such as studying the emotions of the scenes and recording the lines, or do you dive deep and dig into the lore of the series? I will tell you that uh, at the height of it, when we were recording so many different series at the same time, uh, me personally, when I was, uh, it, it was hard to become invested uh, more deeply than the information the director was giving you and uh, maybe a Google search to try to kind of get your bearings on mm -hmm. what's happening to your character in the series. A quick Reddit search or mm -hmm. it usually gives you everything you need to know. The fans are pretty vocal. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's already out in in the Japanese, so they'll they'll tell you what they think and what they believe. Um, so I would I would trust you guys to do a lot of the work and then and then review what you were saying about it. But when I was writing uh, the series, I would get very emotionally invested and very deep into the lore. Um, there was a show called Bacano that I wrote. I remember I got to the end of the um, series writing it and the final credits roll which are different from the regular end credits and suddenly i was like oh my gosh it's over and it was the first time i felt like an anime fan because it was like three in the morning and i just started crying because it was over and i was sad <laughs> that it was over i was like oh this is what they feel uh, i get it now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And then you were emotionally invested in it 100 well, that, that was a great questions from the fans tintinabulation that was the tabulation. That's that's for the transcript. When they hear that, they know it's a cut point. Uh, oh, really? Oh, sorry. It's a professional production, man. It's <laughs> an abulation back in. That was a great questions from the fans segment. Thank you to everyone for those questions. <laughs> and now, as we move toward the end of the episode, it's time for my favorite segment. Break the NDA. <laughs> so, Chuck, what are you working on now? <laughs> Nothing really. I did uh, some DLs, or, or uh, the new, the last thing I did was Kuro Giri, who's from My Hero Academia. He's apparently in the new uh, My Hero game, which is being described as like My Hero Fortnite, um, hmm. which I played Fortnite for a while. Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll do, do really, really well. Uh, other than that, I'm writing some scripts. I've got I've got two films ready ish, almost ready to go. Doing some some just reviewing some other people's uh, work and uh, 
putting together some projects. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what's and, happening. Next. And appearing at Comic Cons. Uh, lots of them. I see here that you will be a guest at Anime Festival Orlando. I think that's in June. Yes. I believe Along that's my with, next one. Oh, my one. gosh. Ellen Stern. I haven't seen her in years. Oh, uh, that'll I be good to if, see her. Yeah. Richard Epcar and Tony Oliver. She and I always, she and I always mm -hmm. talk Shakespeare. That's where yeah, I was. Yeah. My, Shakespeare my old crew in L.A. And you and I are going to be doing another guest appearance together at BACON uh, in July, July 1st and 2nd. Look, there's you. It's and me. there's me at we will be at Bacon. And I don't know where Bacon takes place, but I know it is July first and second. That's correct. You put, where does it's it... down it's down near Houston. It's in I think oh, it's in Conroe. Your neck of the woods. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Very it's a, cool. a driving convention. I get to drive to it. And where's the best way for people to get in touch with you or follow what you're doing <clears throat> online? chuckhuber.org all my socials my email my classes everything yeah Anything and, a, and a little me, shout out to your right classes there. i've seen people say that they've taken your classes online on on posts that i made about you and i know i'm going to put a link to your voiceover classes in the show notes so whatever you're listening to this and whatever app just scroll down to the bottom of the description for this episode and that's where those links will be. Yeah, magic, magic. Alrighty then, questions all done. Wow, <laughs> I enjoyed all of it. Did we, uh, did, did we cover it all? Are we good? No, we certainly didn't cover it all, but we covered enough, I yeah. think. You feel <laughs> your career has been well represented in this episode? <laughs> sure, sure. Great, then Chuck Huber, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for listening. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about getting into voice acting yourself? If so, check out my free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com and become a voiceover champion.